Hey, welcome to New City Online. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this is your first time tuning in, we're glad you're here with us. And if you'd like to let us know you're here, you can do so at newcity.us connect. Fill the form out there and I'll be in touch with you this week about some next steps. And I wanna take a moment to say thank you to those who give so faithfully to the work here at New City. This past week, a group of our students from all of our locations came together to lead Super Summer Camp, which is a VBS-style summer experience for the children of the Ashley Park Apartments in the Idlewild area of Charlotte. Your support and generosity means we can do things like this to serve our neighbors and share the gospel in a world in need of Jesus. If you'd like to give to support God's work here in New City, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now let's continue to worship together.
trumpet sound
I am so excited today, New City, to begin our brand new series on the book of Daniel. I've really been looking forward to uh, sharing this with you, and I hope you're encouraged today, too, as we as we jump into this really important study. So if you have a copy of the Scriptures or uh, you have the New City app, the Scriptures already preloaded there, I want to encourage you to, uh, to turn to the book of Daniel. And as you're turning there, let me just make mention of a couple things that we're doing in this series. Uh, we're creating a sermon study guide to go along with the book of Daniel. So I want to encourage you to engage that throughout the week. You can do it individually or in a circle or a new city group or as a family to sit at the dinner table and just go further uh, with the discussion on the, the sermon series and the life of, of Daniel. And then I also want to make mention that we're going to uh, list a couple of the resources that I've used personally in my study this summer to prepare for the series on Daniel. And so if you hear something that you like, it probably came from somebody else. There's so many great things that have been written about the book of Daniel, the life of Daniel. And so I want to encourage you to, to go further in your study individually and engage some of those resources. And then finally, I want to encourage you to share this sermon series with somebody in your life. We're, we're going to see in the book of Daniel and the, the story of Daniel so many parallels 
to our own lives. I think we're going to be shocked at how the time of Daniel uh, really parallels with the time that we're living in. And so many life lessons and principles that we can learn from God as we as we journey the next several months uh, through the life of Daniel. So I want to encourage you to, to share with other people, invite them to come uh, to one of our locations or engage the sermon online. As we begin the study today through the life of Daniel, would you join me wherever you might be for prayer as we come to God's word today? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the life of Daniel. Thank you for this study that we're beginning today. I want to pray that it would do exactly what your word always does, that it encourages, encourages us, that it corrects us when it, where we need to be corrected. Um, it, it builds us up. Um, it, it gives us insight and wisdom. And I want to pray all of that and more for my dear friends today as we come to your word. Uh, we're reminded that your word never returns void, that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but, but your word stands firm forever. So in a world that is constantly changing, just like Daniel's word, uh, world, would we stand on your truth? Would we come to your words and, and build our lives on you? And, and would we make the same commitment that Daniel made over and over and over again to follow you no matter what? We pray all this for your glory and in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, there's almost nothing better that I can think of than being a kid and being a kid in the summer, right? Do you remember some summer memories of being a kid? Maybe more specifically of being a teenager. Some of you are probably in that uh, season of life and you're, we're just finishing the summer season. Maybe, maybe you've had a great summer and you experienced this, this great balance. I think the, the, the best part of life in summer when you're, when you're old enough to have some freedom. Do you remember this in your life? Uh, maybe as a young teenager, you're old enough to have some freedoms, but you're not quite old enough to have a bunch of responsibilities. There's that little sweet spot. It doesn't last long, guys, does it? Uh, many of us remember that uh, season of our life where we were old enough to have a little bit of freedom and be able to ride our bikes and go places, um, but we were young enough where we didn't have too many responsibilities. And I, I want to take us back to a summer. Uh, maybe as you think about memories in your life and, and there's a particular summer that sticks out, I want to bring you back to the summer of 605 B.C. And I want to introduce you to a teenager who was kind of in that sweet spot of his life. He was old enough to have some freedoms, but, but young enough to where he didn't have too many responsibilities. Uh, maybe you remember the, the, the song that Brian Adams sang about a summer. And, and, and I don't know who the Brian Adams was of 605 BC, but maybe there was a, a song that could have been sung about this great summer. And I want to introduce you again to a, a teenager who was in many ways living his best life that summer of 605 BC. His name was Daniel. That's right. When we meet Daniel, He's a teenager. He's a kid in the summer, the summer of 605 BC. He's 15 years old. A lot of times we, we think about Daniel and we think about later on in his life and we've got an image of him as a, being middle-aged or older, but actually when we meet Daniel in the first chapter here of his book and his story, he's 15 years old. 
And just a little bit of context here, some history to understand what was happening in the summer of 605. And, and Daniel uh, specifically is a 15-year-old. Daniel, we know from his story, was born into nobility. He was born into the, the ruling class of, of people. He was very smart. He was very bright. He was very good looking. We know this from the uh, Daniel chapter 1, the, the, the story itself. Uh, Daniel was a great kid. He was the type of kid that, that you would want to hang out with, that you'd want to be in your house, that you'd want to you know, date your daughter and maybe take over your business one day. And yet he was super humble. It, it, it pains me to say this as a, as a Georgia fan, but, but he's sort of the, the, the Tim Tebow of 605 B.C., He's a great kid, and he, and he hung out with other great kids. In fact, he had a, a couple of friends that we'll, we'll get to know later on in the story that he probably spent most of his time with there in Jerusalem in the summer of 605 B.C., and they probably did some of the same things that, that we did as kids. They, they spent time together. They had fun together. I don't know what uh, riding bikes w- w- were in that day, but they were probably doing that on a normal day, just like every other day, where they had enough freedom to, to roam around, uh, but not enough responsibility yet to, to have a job or, or any of that type of stuff. It was another day in, in paradise, if you will, for, for Daniel and his three friends. Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, better known by us today as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But on this day in 605 BC, this, this great summer day where they're living their best life, everything changes. And it changes right here in the very first chapter, actually in the very first book. What happens next on that faithful, faithful day in 605 BC would, would change the course of history. It would certainly change the course of Daniel and his friends' lives. It would be their very last day in Jerusalem, their, their last night sleeping in their bed, their last time with their families. And it's not hyperbole to say that what happens on this day in Jerusalem, this summer day in 605 BC, is part of the reason why we're gathered here today in God's redemptive history that God used this day, this part of his story, to to bring about his plan and his redemption for us, for his people. So with that in mind, let's turn to Daniel chapter 1. Hopefully you're there by now. And let's just look at the very first verse together where everything changes on that day. Remember, Daniel writes the book of Daniel. So this is in many ways an an autobiography that he writes. He's telling us his story, and he begins it this way. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, where Daniel was with his friends, and besieged it. Daniel and his friends are, are riding bikes or doing whatever they're doing on that summer day when from the east they, they hear a noise. They hear a sound. It's an unfamiliar sound. And it's sort of the, the record scratch on their lives. Everything changes with that sound. The sound ends up being the Babylonian army, the mighty Babylonians. We're going to learn a lot of ba- about Babylon and, and their army, but what you need to know today in the context of Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, is that the Babylonians were undefeated. They had never lost a battle. 
They had conquered every territory and empire, including, at this point, the mighty Egyptians. They were unstoppable, and they were headed straight for Jerusalem to overtake it. So there's these two kingdoms, if you will. Just think about it in your mind's eye. And and, and again, for for Daniel and his buddies, what they must have experienced this day is they saw the the Babylonian army fill the, the landscape to the east, where all they saw was the army of Babylon. And they knew what that meant because it had meant the same thing for every other empire. These these two kingdoms are colliding that are mentioned here. The kingdom of Judah, look at verse 1 again. The kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Babylon. Now what's interesting here is that Judah, of course, represents the the religious or God's people. That's what they represent as as the kingdom of Judah. They were God's people and they were religious, but when we meet them, they're not following God. And in fact, uh, they're doing evil deeds against one another and they've turned their back on God, even as God's people, Judah. But the second empire, the second kingdom that is introduced here in the context of our story of Daniel that's very important for us to understand as we begin our journey through the book is the kingdom of of Babylon. And I want to talk about both for just a few minutes because Babylon represents a, a secular kingdom a kingdom that that never knew God. They had many gods, but they didn't know the one true God. And they really just lived for themselves. And it's important for us, right on the outset here of the series, to understand Judah and Babylon, because the collision of these two kingdoms represents the backdrop of the story. So let's talk about the first kingdom that's mentioned here, Judah, the the religious kingdom, God's people. So so Judah was the the southern part of Israel. There was, of course, a northern part of Israel, Um, that was captured by the Assyrians 95 years before uh, 605 BC. So almost a century before Judah is besieged by the Babylonians, the Assyrians who were in in, in the north came and besieged the northern part of Israel. I brought a map for you just to see kind of how it's it's separated. And if you have a a study Bible, uh, you'll see this map in your study Bible that, that Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel are divided into two different kingdoms. There's 10 tribes to the north and two to the south. And what we're going to focus on today is the southern kingdom, uh, these two tribes uh, that make up Judah, because that's all that's left. The northern kingdom now has been conquered by Assyria, and they never return. The northern kingdom doesn't. It was a broken covenant with God that led the northern kingdom of Israel to be captured by the Assyrians. Uh, they turned their back on God and the promises of God, in other words. And, and God allowed them to be conquered and taken away into exile uh, by the Assyrians. And now the southern kingdom of Israel, which is considered God's people now, almost 100 years later, guess what they've done? They've turned their back on God. And God is going to allow them to be taken into exile by the Babylonians. That's the whole backdrop of the story of Daniel, is is God allowing exile to happen for his people. Now, I just want to stop right there for just a second, because a lot of times it takes a crisis, maybe not an exile or having your city besieged, but it takes some sort of crisis, a, a broken heart or a broken body to turn us back to God. And God's desire through the exile was to reclaim his people. It was to bring his people back 
to him. And I wonder in your life if you might be going through some sort of crisis, a broken heart, a broken body, and maybe just maybe God is, I didn't say he caused it, but maybe he's allowing that to happen in your life. You know, as, as life is sifted through his sovereign fingertips, that maybe God is allowing that to happen in your life, just like he allowed the Babylonians to come and besiege Jerusalem to, to bring you, to bring them back in relationship with him, to turn their hearts and their affections towards him. There were two major, just if we think about the Hebrew Testament, there were two major formative events in the life of God's people in the Hebrew Testament. Now, there were a lot of formative events that happened, just like there are in our lives, but there were a couple that stand out, and you want to know what they are? The first one is Egypt, 400 plus years in slavery in Egypt. And Egypt is a place where God made a nation of people for himself. In fact, the people of God are actually given their name through Jacob through that would become Israel. And it's in Egypt that they, they are made a nation and they leave as a people of God headed towards the promised land. Now, all these years later, the second formative event that happened in, in God's people's time and the, the, crisis in the old, uh, crises of the Old Testament was exile. And that's, the, again, the backdrop for the book of Daniel. So Egypt and exile are these two formative events that happen in the life of God's people. And, and exile, what we're going to see through the life of Daniel and his story, is where God reclaimed that nation, his people, to himself. So just think about that for a second. The two most important events, you could argue, that shaped and formed God's people in the Hebrew Testament were Egypt and exile. Crisis, broken heart, broken body. And yet through all that, it was where God made a people for himself. And we're going to see in Daniel's story and, and through the exile, these 70 years in Babylon, it's where God reclaimed that nation back to himself. I just wonder if that might be happening in your life, if that might be happening in our lives together as God's people. You obviously have your own stories, and I want to encourage you to not underestimate what God might be doing through brokenness in your life. So let's get to the second kingdom. I said there were two. The first that we see here in verse 1 is Judah, so the southern kingdom of Israel, these two tribes that are left and considered God's people. But the other kingdom that's mentioned is Babylon. And we're going to talk a lot about Babylon, but just for today, to give a little bit of context as we start the series together, Babylon was, of course, a, a secular um, culture. It was they, they had gods, but all of the gods led back to themselves, which is ultimately what secularism is. Uh, the ruins of Babylon can be found in modern-day Iraq. And, and interesting, interestingly, Babylonia is literally translated as the land of Shinar. And if that sounds familiar, we read about Shinar in Genesis chapter 11. And the context of Genesis chapter 11 is the Tower of Babylon. You say, Chris, why are you telling us all this? Well, it's important because in Genesis 11, in the Tower of Babel, that very site is the location where Babylon was centered. And in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, the whole story is that the people come together and, and, and they want to build a tower to heaven. And what that represents is we can make it on our own. We can do this ourselves. 
the Tower of Babel represented self-determination, self-will. We can make it to heaven. We, we can be our own gods. Uh, eight chapters before is where the fall of humanity happens. And guess what the, the chief sin in the fall of humanity was? We can be our own gods. We can do this ourselves. And it's in that very location in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, where, where Babylon is centered. And, and that whole moniker of let us build a, a tower to heaven and make a great name for ourselves is really what Babylon was all about. And one of the things I want to say, and I'm going to repeat this in our series, is that Babylon is not just a place on a map, all right? It, it, it's, a, it's a state of mind. It, it's, it's not just on a map, it's in our minds. It's this idea of self-will, self-determination. I can do it myself. The prophet Isaiah describes the, the Babylonian um, way, the Babylonian understanding, the Babylonian philosophy with, with this little phrase in Isaiah 47, verse 8. Maybe just take a note on this. Isaiah describes Babylon's belief in itself in this way. I am, and there is none besides me. Whoa. I am, and there is none besides me. Maybe just circle that word, me. That describes Babylon. And I think you would agree with me today, wherever you might be, I think you would agree with me today that Babylon and that whole state of mind and understanding is not just a place on a map. There's a place in our minds. There's a broken part of who we are that thinks that there's none beside us, that it's all about me. And here's the amazing thing, guys. Both of these kingdoms, Judah and Babylon, both of them were not following God. One was religious and one was secular, but both of them had turned their back on the one true God. One wanted to make a name for themselves, Babylon, and the other, watch this, had forgotten their name. They had forgotten their identity. They had forgotten that they were God's people, that they were called, that they were blessed, that through them all the world was going to be blessed. They had forgotten all of that. And at the end of this story, you know what's left? An empty tower, all the way back to Genesis 11. There's an empty tower that represents the emptiness and hollowness of the Babylonian way. But there's also an empty temple in Jerusalem that represents God's people turning their back once again on God and saying, I can do it my way. An empty tower and an empty temple. Exile is what follows for God's people because, again, God wanted to use the exile to bring his people back to him. Did you know in scripture there's only one group of people that ever returned from exile that's recorded in the scriptures? God's people. Everybody else is decimated through exile. Only God's people return. God wanted to use the crisis to bring his people back to him, and maybe that's happening in your life too. Extinction is what uh, followed for the Babylonians. We're going to go all the way through the story, and at the end of the story, the Babylonians don't exist anymore. And guess what? Every kingdom and empire and king and power that's set up against God, the one true God, will cease to exist one day. And we learn that from the, the story of Daniel. Let, let me just talk for a couple of minutes as we finish about exile. 
Because as I mentioned, no other nation in Scripture other than God's people ever returned from exile. The northern kingdom of Israel is taken away a hundred years before by the Assyrians. They never return. Daniel never returns home. We need to know that in the story too. The exiles return after 70 years, but Daniel never does. He never sees his family again. He never sleeps in his bed again. He never goes back to Jerusalem. He never worships in the temple again. His assignment has been changed permanently on this side of eternity from Jerusalem to Babylon. Let me read verses two and three to you today. Daniel chapter 1, 2, and 3. The Lord gave him victory over the king of Jehoiakim. Gave who victory? God gave victory to the Babylonians. And you go, how does that work? Well, in God's sovereignty, he wanted to use exile, the whole backdrop of the story, again, to bring his people back to himself. He used crisis. He allowed crisis to happen and gave victory temporarily to the enemy to bring his people back to himself. Think about that in our own lives. He gave victory over King Jehoiakim, the, the king of Judah, and permitted him to take some of the, listen to this, some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. And so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia, and then he placed them in the treasury of the house of his God, which ultimately was themselves. And then verse 3, the last verse for today. Then he ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who have been brought to, uh, brought to Babylon as captives. In other words, we, this is Daniel. Uh, they brought a, a one group of, of, of captives first to Babylon. And you want to know what the group they took first? This was a brilliant strategy by, by the Babylonians that they repeated over and over again. They brought, they brought back to the capital city the best and the brightest, the nobility. And that's, that's Daniel and his buddies because they knew if they could take leaders from a country, if they could take the next generation from a nation, they would be unable to sustain themselves. And that's how they subjugated all these other empires is they would indoctrinate the best and the brightest of the next generation and they, they would leave a group of people there that were unable to lead themselves forward as a nation. Again, a lot of parallels to today's time why we emphasize next-gen ministry here at New City and why every church should is because we have to raise up the next generation of Christ followers to be a resilient generation to stand for God no matter what in the days to come. Daniel would have read from the book of Jeremiah, uh, a contemporary prophet during that time, Jeremiah prophesied to the exiles in Babylon. You'll remember in Jeremiah chapter 29, he writes a letter and he says, you're not coming back anytime soon. So, so build houses and plant gardens and give yourself in, in, in marriage and seek, Jeremiah 29, 7, seek the welfare of the city where I have planted you. And Daniel would have read those words. In fact, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, he says that he read the words of the prophet Jeremiah. And he took that to heart. That even during exile, verses 2 and 3, being taken away here permanently for his life, never to return, he knew that he had an assignment. As I close today, I want to just say this, that a lot of times God will take us from our places of comfort and familiarity. He certainly does that here in the first three verses for Daniel. 
And the whole backdrop of the story is Daniel being taken from his family, familiarity, comfort, into this brand new place, a secular place, a, a, a place where there was a lot of adv uh, adversaries and, and people who came against his faith in God, and yet he made a commitment to follow him no matter what. And, and you know where that starts, I think, guys, and where it starts for each of us? Is that in Daniel's heart and his mind, he had already committed that no matter what, no matter what happened in his life, he was going to choose to follow God. He, I, I'm sure he made a recommitment over and over and over again, but I, I think even before, even before he was taken away, and even as he's walking those 500 miles step by step further away from Jerusalem, never to return all the way to Babylon, he was making a commitment in his heart that I'm going to bloom where I'm planted for the God's kingdom. I'm going to represent God no matter what, no matter what happens in my life, even if my life ends, and we're going to see multiple opportunities for Daniel's life to end for standing up for God. He made a commitment, I'm going to follow him. In the summer of 605 BC, so much was taken away from Daniel. His familiarity, his comfort, his friends, his nobility, all these things that were taken away, but he, he was resolute and unshakable in this decision that I'm going to follow God no matter what. I wonder what the no matter what could be in your life. You know, we all have no matter what's. When we make a commitment, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, what is the no matter what? If my friends leave me, if my, if my reputation is ruined, if I lose finances, if I have to move, if I have to change jobs, I wonder what the no matter what represents in your life today. You know, what, what is that commitment in your heart to Jesus and how is it being challenged right now with a crisis or something in your life? It may not be exile, but I would guarantee that if you're gonna stand for God and you're gonna make that type of commitment that no matter what, no matter what happens, I'm gonna follow you, I'm gonna honor you, I'm gonna trust you, it's gonna be tested by the enemy. I wonder what no matter what represents for you. You know, oftentimes when God takes something away from us, just like he took things away from Daniel, he gives us so much more than we could ever imagine. A lot of times when God takes things away, it's to make room for what he wants to give. I want to just point out something I think is really fascinating, and we're going to see it throughout the story as we study it together. That, that you know, as much as taken away from Daniel, even here in chapter 1, in, in verse 2, in verse 9, in verse 17, four different times in chapter 1 it says this, this refrain, and the Lord gave. Sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly through something else, and the Lord gave. That as God takes away, God gives. God takes away things from Daniel, but he gives things to Daniel. Daniel had to give up a lot, but God gave Daniel a lot. And the same is true for us. I think we're going to discover in our journey through Daniel that Daniel's story is a lot like our story. Daniel's story is a lot like your story today and what you're walking through in your life. What if you believed like Daniel that you can follow God no matter what your circumstance is today? A, a, a crisis of health, a relationship, finances, something's going on in your life today. I know it may be multiple things. What if you believe today that you could follow God no matter what? What if we believe that together as a church, that no matter what is in our future, we're going to follow God? Over the next several months as we study Daniel's story, we're going to see, bottom line, that, that he chooses to follow God no matter what, and that we could can too. 
We're going to see Daniel go from being a teenager that we met today, a 15-year-old, to an old man. We're going to see kingdoms rise and fall, people rise and fall. We're going to see that everything on this side of eternity and this world changes, and then it changes again. But that no matter what, the God of Daniel, our God, the one true God, he doesn't change. We're going to see God show up in all this crisis, and we're going to see him uh, uh, prove to be faithful, to be, to be present, to, to be working, uh, to be alive, uh, to be trustworthy, to be, to be real. Even as Daniel faces lions and, and fire and, and a madman, God is faithful and he's with him no matter what. So, so we can choose, just like Daniel, bottom line, to follow him no matter what in our lives. I'm looking forward to the journey with you. To Christ alone be the glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your word. I pray that it meets us right where we are in the crisis of our life, in the decision points of our life, in our frustrations and our highs and our lows. May your truth reign in our hearts and our minds today. Thank you for the story of Daniel. Thank you for his courage. Thank you for his resolve, for his commitment. May we learn from that as we journey through his story together. May you receive all the glory. May, may you work in our lives as we study this wonderful life together. And we want to give you glory for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, no matter where you are, extend your hands for benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.